God that comes to us today is from Jonah, who said to the city of Nineveh, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. These words from Jonah, this this unwilling prophet who goes to the city of Nineveh, it's only five words in, in Hebrew, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Sounds like such a great message from our prophet Jonah, if you live in the city of Nineveh, right? No, <laughs> it is not good news. It's bad news. And Jonah doesn't want to be there. Today, I want to show us and show myself and you this simple fact that the Lord, whether we're looking at Jonah or our gospel reading, the Lord is out to catch us. The Lord is out to catch me. The Lord is out to catch you. The Lord is out to catch out to catch Jonah, fishermen, people in Nineveh, Jonah again, Peter, all the guys, and me. Do you believe that? And that can be really bad or it can be really good. If the Lord has come to catch us, in our sins, not so good, right? But if the Lord has come in some other way, then it really is good. You know the story of Jonah? The story of Jonah is that book in the Bible where people are like, yeah, yeah, see, that's why I can't believe the Bible. I can't believe that. How could you possibly believe that? In fact, this book has caused a split among Christians. And I even say here, At this very church in the 1970s, this church split. Most of its members left. You may not know the story, or you might. You possibly lived that story. If you lived it, you were young, and you probably don't know all the details, nor do I. Here's the gist. Some people think the Bible, it contains God's Word. Stories like Jonah, they're just allegories or a parable. didn't really happen. That's some Christians, and that is what this church held on to for a time. And there are other Christians who say, no, there may be some definitely elements of literature in here, but it is more than just literature. It's not fiction. It is history. Because if God can do miracles like in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, then certainly being swallowed by a big fish is no big deal, right? That's what these Christians said. And also, let me go further, if Jesus believed that Jonah was a real prophet and did real things, then certainly I can too, right? But this story of Jonah has split people, uh, things like it. Well, the story of Jonah, it's in your Bible. In fact, you can turn there if you have uh, if you have a pew Bible, or if you have one of these, or your own Bible. Just going to look at a couple of details about how the Lord was out to catch Jonah and why that matters. If you have a pew Bible, it's on page 726. If you have this book, it's on December 14th. You won't get there until the end of the year. But we'll go there today. So Jonah's sermon was five words. That's a great lesson for me to be brief. Pray for me. I will try. I've boiled it down to this, that the Lord has gone out to catch us. So if you look at the beginning of the story of Jonah, it says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. And this is how many prophets start their their books. The word of the Lord came to me. And this is where I live. And this is what the word said. Arise and go to Nineveh, 
that great city and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Well, you may or may not know this. Jonah is a Jew. Do you all know that? Or a Hebrew. Jonah is Jewish. He's from the land of the people of Israel. He's a prophet to the king of Israel. He is, uh, he is not a prophet. In fact, there are no other prophets ever sent out to another nation from Israel. So Jonah would be the very first. And he thinks he's not going to be the first. <laughs> he says, no, he, he does not say, okay, Lord, he's the only prophet that outright, outright disobeys God. And says, nope, not doing it. No, thank you. He doesn't do it. Instead, it says he goes down to Joppa, which is the port, and then he got, gets on a boat that's going as far away as possible. Right? There's, there's a, it says uh, the, the city is uh, Tarshish. It, it's probably a, called Tartessus, which is Spain. So instead of going this way, he goes as far that way as he possibly can. It's like, let me get a ticket to the middle of China, right? And I'm getting on the plane right now. That's what he does, right? Instead of going to Nineveh, why would he care so much? Why would he be so against going to Nineveh? He thought he was going to die. Even worse, because in the story, he says, just kill me. I'd rather die than go there. Like, I'm going to die anyway. Let me just die now. It's something about the people. These people, the city of Nineveh, it's in the empire of the Assyria. These are not nice people. They have been uh, on, the, on the, the brink of uh, taking over and colonizing Israel. They are the worst people that you can imagine if you're a Jew in this period. It's like we used to talk about the Chinese or the Russians, like, oh, you know, stay away from those people. These people are bad. They invented the precursor to uh, crucifixion. They would line their cities. When you go into a city, there'd be dead guys on poles saying, don't do this. Don't be our enemy. Right? They were violent. Uh, they, were, they were just not a good people. And so Jonah's like, I'm not doing it. Not going there. And so what he does in the boat is a picture of his spirituality. He goes down to Joppa. He goes down to the boat. He goes down to underneath the boat and he's sleeping. That's the state of his spiritual life right now. Dead to God. Yeah, he's a prophet. Well, is God okay with just like, okay, I'll find another guy? No, he's not going to find another guy, which is a message to us. He's not going to find another one. So he does everything he can to catch Jonah. And we'll go into all the details, but he sends a great wind. And these Phoenician sailors, who they're the best in the world at sailing, these guys are throwing cargo over. They're praying to their gods. Which one among us is the one? And they cast lots, and it just happens to land on Jonah. There's that guy sleeping down there. It's his fault. And so they end up, uh, he says, well, I, I fear Yahweh. That's my God. Think for a moment. He says, I fear Yahweh. Is he really fearing Yahweh? If he feared Yahweh at all, he would have listened to Yahweh no matter what. So he doesn't, he says he fears Yahweh. Here's the interesting thing. The Lord is also about to catch these sailors. Through the disobedience of Jonah, his words still come out. And these sailors who are calling on a bunch of gods, they end up calling on Yahweh, the one true God. So the Lord has caught them. And then they throw Jonah overboard. And he's caught again, caught by a 
a, not a whale, like you might think, right? Sunday school or pictures, but a great fish. He's caught by a great fish. So he's, he's literally caught by the Lord. Is that what the Lord wants for him? I'm just going to hold, hold you in this great fish for a while. This is your destiny, Jonah. This is why I created you, so I could swallow you up. Huh? No. Well, the Lord is not done with Jonah. Jonah prays. That's chapter 2 of, of the book of Jonah. Jonah calls out to the Lord, sort of. He's not quite there yet. But the Lord does keep him alive, and he acknowledges it. And then, I love this. Look at the end of chapter 2, the last verse. It says this. This is a great memory verse if you're in middle school, and if you do an art project. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Right? Isn't that a great graphic image? <laughs> right? So, the, the great fish was a tomb for Jonah. Right? It was his death. It was where he died, maybe, or should have died, either one. And instead, it's his transportation. It takes him so he can get out and then make his way to Nineveh. The Lord isn't done with him. The Lord has caught him and teaches us a lesson. We can't run from the Lord, right? Can you? Can you run from the presence of the Lord? No, neither could Jonah. So now we come to our reading today, and we see this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. God isn't done with him. And says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Does Jonah feel like he has any choice? No, like if he climbs a mountain, he knows he's going to get eaten by a, you know, a big you know, mountain monster, right? He's just, he doesn't have any choices. He's got to go. So he goes. Is he a happy, excited evangelist? No, no, he's a reluctant evangelist. He's a bad evangelist. He says all of five words over and over. He says, yet 40 days, Nineveh overthrown. Yet 40 days, Nineveh overthrown. It's almost like he's happy about it. I can't wait for you all to get crushed by the Lord. Right? He's not a good evangelist. Let me tell you about another bad evangelist. And this is probably not true. But there was a little girl who was in, in her science class in school. And her teacher is talking about whales and how it's impossible for a whale to eat a person. He's like, well, it's a big animal, but the throat is too small. Or we're going into details. And the girl says, well, yeah, I don't know. What about Jonah? And the teacher said, no, no, no. Uh, a whale could not swallow Jonah. And then she says, I don't know. The Bible says it. And so when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah. And the teacher says, well, what if Jonah is not in heaven? You know, what if Jonah is in hell? And then the little girl says, well, then you can ask him. <sighs> Sorry, that was bad. <laughs> she was a bad evangelist. Do you agree? Is what she said true? Maybe. I don't know. We can't say, right? We don't know the, the faith of her teacher. But she's a bad evangelist. Just like Jonah. Jonah is a bad evangelist. Okay, so I, I mentioned a bunch of the mir miracles already. There is at least nine miracles in the book of Jonah. And again, could God do that? Yes. There's actually a bigger miracle in our scripture today, the one that's printed in your bulletin here in chapter 3. Can you find it? A bigger miracle than Jonah being swallowed up by the great fish. Yeah, Sadie's got it. It says this in verse 5. 
After hearing only these five words, yet 40 days, Nineveh overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. But from that measly little speech that he didn't even want to say, yeah. The people of Nineveh believed God and they called for a fast and they put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. And then it talks about how the king hears about it. This is not the capital, but he's in town. The king hears about it and he even repents. He takes off his great robe and he puts on sackcloth and he kneels down in ashes and he, he prays to the Lord to forgive. He repents and he says, everyone, you have to repent now. And in verse 10, it says this, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. That's good, isn't it? The Lord, and the Lord has promised this, that he, his, his chief glory is showing mercy. So Jonah is successful. The people repent. This greatest miracle of all happens. They believe God. He thought he was going to get killed. And instead, they all turn to the God. All turn to the Lord, right? Jonah should be thrilled. Woo! I did it! Except, he's like, I knew it, God. I knew that's the kind of God you are. I knew that you would actually like them and love them. That's chapter 4. Literally, it says this. It eviled Jonah exceedingly evil. It eviled him a great evil. It was the worst possible thing he could think of, that, that you had mercy on these bad people. How dare you? And he says, he talks to the Lord, and he says, I knew you, this is verse 2, I think, I knew you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I knew it. And that you relent from disaster. And then he wants to die. <laughs> Kill me because you've had mercy on these people. Wow. Okay. So there's some things we can learn from Jonah, and there's some things we can learn not to do from Jonah. The Lord really is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Jonah thought that was only for him and his kind, not for everybody else, right? Well, the Lord isn't done. You can keep reading, but the Lord even ends the book. Should I not have pity? It's a hanging question. He asks it two times. Do you do right to be angry? Should I not have pity? And it's just left there, hanging, for us to come along and read it. And to hear the Lord ask us, should I not have pity on this whole community? Well, I told you the Lord is out and about to catch people. So we'll just look at another episode where the Lord is catching people and look at another miracle. Take a look at your gospel reading. We have this Miracle, maybe it is a miracle. We have Peter, and we have, his name is not Peter yet. His name is Simon and Andrew, and then two other brothers, James and John. And Jesus, the rabbi, just comes up to them and says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you catchers of men. And what do they do? They get up. They follow. They hear the word of this rabbi, and for some reason, this powerful rabbi's words make happen what he says. Come and follow me. And they do. And they have a whole new life. And they will be transformed into catchers of men. Is that the miracle? Yeah, it's a miracle, I think. I think it actually is. It's pretty amazing. But is that the miracle that I want to point out in your gospel reading? No, I'm going to look at a different one. It's this. 
Look at verse 14. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This, it doesn't seem like a miracle. Jesus doesn't even do anything. Here's the miracle, that Jesus is there saying the kingdom of God is at hand. What's he mean by that? The king is at hand. The Lord himself is here. He's announcing that his reign is coming to earth. The world has fallen away just like Nineveh, and this is his world. He's come back for it. And he says, repent and believe the good news. To me, that's a miracle that this God has come down in flesh, and he's here announcing, this is my kingdom. Here it is. Repent and believe the good news. Well, Peter follows, Simon Peter follows, and the other guys follow. And they just have a great time of it. And they, throughout the book of Mark, you can see just how wonderful they do. At every turn, especially Simon Peter, he's just amazing. He does everything right. He just gets it. I'm speaking tongue-in-cheek. Read the Gospel of Mark, and you see every time uh, Peter speaks, he's doing something wrong. Right? He's doing something foolish, something outlandish. He's trying really hard, but he's getting it wrong. And so Jesus has come to catch Peter. And Peter, just like Jonah, needs to be caught again and again and again. You know how the Gospel of Mark ends. It, it ends with Jesus arrest and he's about to be crucified. And Peter is there getting warm at a fire. And someone says to him, hey, you also were with this Jesus, weren't you? And he says, I neither know nor understand what you say. I don't know what you're talking about. Someone else says, uh, no, you're one of them. And he says, no, I, he denied it. And then the third person says, uh, you're definitely one of them. You even talk like you're from Galilee. And he says, he begins to invoke a curse on himself. I swear, he says, I don't know this man that you're talking about. What? Peter, you left everything to follow him. Everything. Right? And yet, you say you don't even know him? Boy, that sounds a lot like Jonah. Boy, that sounds a lot like me. So the miracle is that Jesus is not done with Peter. And he's not done with me and you. He's come to catch us. And so Peter fell away and Jesus was not done with him. And he came and restored him. Jesus rose again and, and called him his disciple. Go tell the disciples and Peter that I've risen from the dead. Especially Peter, the one who denied me. I've come, tell him. Right? Well, I don't know. Just kind of wrap this up. You think the Lord is calling you? You think the Lord has come to catch you? He has. Here's the good news. So sometimes we might think this when we read this, uh, where Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. Follow me and I'll turn in you into fishers of men. We hear that, and rightly so. We think, wow, God can use me to bring others. And that is true. He does his bring his word through us for others. He does. He does. You're, as Peter will later say, he's called you to proclaim his excellencies to, to, to others. So will God use his word through you for others? Yes. But rest on this. Not so much that he says, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. 
He does do that. But rejoice in this. He has come to catch you. What, is, what did Peter and the apostles do? They proclaimed that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus died for you, that he rose again for you, that he reigns in heaven, that he forgives the world, and that he's, he wants to take you home. Is that not good? Rejoice that you not are so much a fisher of men, although, yes, you might be. You are a fish. You are his fish. You are a great fish that he has caught. Now may the, the word of God change us today. In the name of Jesus, amen.